uh, as we come to your word, we're in Philippians chapter 2, head there. Uh, but may I encourage you, as Pip did, this is our week of prayer, and it starts straight after the service. Uh, grab a coffee and uh, have a chat, uh, but we will gather for our usual prayer service. Uh, well, we'll be carrying on bringing some of these things we thought about this morning before God uh, in prayer. And I do encourage you, uh, in the week, if you go to a life group, well, go to that one. But then why not try and get to at least one other? Uh, either one of the online ones, uh, or come and join us in a different group. Uh, we have a wonderful group out in Dean's Hangar on a Wednesday night, regardless of what Pip says disparately about us, uh, the uh, folk out in Dean Hang- Dean's Hangar. Uh, you'd be very welcome to join us or any of the others. All the info's on the email, but if you uh, haven't got that, come and see uh, James or I at the end, and we can point you in the right direction. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that so at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. Well, in these first uh, couple of services at the start of this new year and at the start of this week of prayer, we want to teach what we believe God has put on our hearts uh, for this coming year and believe what God has been saying to us but also we'll carry on praying into what God wants to say to us as we pray this week we'll be thanking and praising but that asking God to lead us this year and as I've confessed I reluctantly said we had a, we had a motto verse last year and uh, I believe God has blessed us uh, with it it helped us focus uh, and as elders, as we, as we have been chatting and praying, we believe God has been saying many things to us through his word. Uh, but lots of this came under the theme of unity. Uh, so we felt led to a, another verse, a new motto verse for this year. Philippians 2.2, 2, up on the screen there. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So we're going to look at this verse over the next couple of weeks. This week we're going to think slightly of the verse in its context, in this passage in Philippians 2, and next week we'll think practically more about what unity looks like for us. There'll also be a chance to feed into that in the prayer meetings this week. We want to hear what God has put on each other's hearts as well. So we'll be uh, spending some time chatting as well about these things. 
So if there is any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. These first two verses then are a call to unity. But what is the unity that we see here? The verse puts it, being of the same mind. Well, what does that mean? Well, what we're not talking about here is everyone being the same. Unity is different from uniformity. This is not a call to drab intellectual sameness. It doesn't mean that we aren't to have different personalities, different thoughts, different feelings. No. To have the same mind is a call to togetherness. A corporate spirit. United in purpose, in mission. To share that mind together. Paul prays that we'll have one mind. We see it, it continues to have the same love. One translation puts that as loving the same things. I think that's really helpful in understanding. Unity means our hearts aligned together to have the same values, the same desires, the same motivations. Loving together what is good and holy. To be in full accord. Well, now, that doesn't mean being in an overpacked Honda. Sorry, James and I found that hysterical when we were texting that back and forth on Friday. But what does it mean? Does it mean agreeing on everything? Well, that would be great, wouldn't it? But it doesn't have to be that. It means being agreeable together, working through things to reach a common goal in glorifying God. You see, our motto, verse, verse 2, is a call to unity. A call for us as a church and the church, big picture church, to be united. And it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Unity sounds great. But unity is hard. And Paul is under no illusion when he said these words. Verse 3 highlights our natural tendencies. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Paul says that because he knows where the human heart leans. Conceit there means pride and selfishness. It's the opposite of what we read in verse 4, not looking for the interests of others, but only thinking about number one. And rivalry, I don't know if you caught it, but we got into and enjoyed the new reality series on BBC over Christmas, The Traitors. I don't know if you saw that. If you didn't see, it's basically a big game of mafia that the youth play. Basically, 22 people in a castle in Scotland and three are chosen as traitors unknown to everyone else, and their job is to kill everybody else off. Not physically, of course, but to get everyone else out of the game. And the faithfuls, their job is to root out the traitors. It's a game of deceit and backstabbing. 
There were alliances formed and broken, traitors throwing each other under the bus so that they could win. The whole show was about looking after number one. And as a TV show, I suppose that's okay. But the thing with all these reality shows is that they show the human heart. When a prize is on the line, when self-promotion is possible, we'll stop at nothing to get it. And the problem, happens, problem is that happens in real life too. And when your life is light, lived like that, when your life is a competition, where everyone else then becomes a rival to your success, they become enemies and disunity reigns. If everyone is concerned with their own interests, then clashes are guaranteed where my interest for me does not match what someone else's interest is for them. And sadly, when things get harder, like we see in our country more at the moment, instead of this sense of community that we see at some points, we lose this we're all in this together feeling and there becomes a sense of survival. I'll do whatever I can to get through this regardless of anyone else. Because you see, unity is not natural. Unity is not natural. What the Bible is talking about here is supernatural. And this is what Paul is calling the Philippians to, and us, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. Resist that which is natural, he tells us. And in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Humility. Count others more. This is tough. What we are talking about here is supernatural love. To see others ahead of you. To humble yourself and think of the needs of others. And supernatural forgiveness. There's not a lot of forgiveness in the world right now. We're told that if we are offended, then that's all that matters. But the Bible says, no, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. So unity says, well, yes, you may have hurt me deeply, and that hurts. But I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love, and we're going to get through this and stay together. This is not natural. So how are we able to do this? Well, look at verse 5 there. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now there's a bit of discussion around the interpretation of this verse. Some suggest, as the ESV translates it here, that this mind is yours by virtue of being united in Christ. Have this mind that's yours because you are in Christ Jesus. Others suggest, as the NIV translates, translation gives us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So follow Jesus. He is our example. Well, which is right? Well, for once, I think our passage says both. 
unity should be the normal Christian life. As part of this transformation we were talking about last week, we are made new, we're a new creation. Then as part of this new creation, we have been brought into a family, the church. And being in Christ means being in his body. So our desire for love and forgiveness comes, or should come from being part of this body. The ability to do this is this new heart of flesh that we are given in Jesus Christ. When Jesus prays his prayer, his priestly prayer in John 17, he prays for his people together. He prays that they will be one. And we're reminded in verse one that to be a Christian is to have God the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We said that unity is supernatural. Well, it's his power in us that helps us. One writer says it is he, the Holy Spirit, who binds man to God, but also binds man to man. So yes, we have the ability to be united because we are in Jesus Christ. It is God at work within us. But at the same time, who then is this template for this unity? Because you see throughout history, there are some groups who have had the same mind, have had the same motivation, have been in agreement towards a common goal and have been purely evil. So which mind is the one mind that we are all to have together? Well, it's Jesus Christ. The goal of our lives individually as Christians, but as a church, is to align our hearts with his. And Paul shows that in these further verses, the ultimate example of humility, of putting others before yourself. You see, if what we are called to is countercultural living, well, it's because we have a countercultural savior, a countercultural message, a countercultural gospel. We've been thinking of that in our book studies on a Sunday evening. The message of the gospel is not an emperor of the time taking power or an uprising rebel seizing military might. No, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, what we read here in Philippians is what we've been thinking about in Hebrews having humbled himself, becoming lower than the angels. The king of heaven found in human form humbled himself, even becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How can we know humility when we look to the Lord Jesus Christ who came and went further than we ever will? How can we show supernatural love? Well, because we are loved with an everlasting love. How can we show supernatural forgiveness? Well, because we have received forgiveness a hundred thousand million times above what we can ever give out. How can we be united? We are united by looking beyond ourselves and looking to Jesus Christ. 
So where do we finish this morning? Well, just a few thoughts to us for us to finish. Firstly, do we, the elders, think God has put this on our heart because we don't have unity here at B Church? Well, no. In no way. At this point of new year, we want to look back as well as forward. And as we look back over these last few years, we want to thank God for the unity we have. There is a togetherness amongst us, and we don't take that for granted. It is a gift from God, and we want to give him the glory for it. In these last few years, many have struggled to stay together, but God has kept us. We have a wonderful family here at B Church. I thank God for it, and we need to keep thanking God for it. But secondly, in saying we don't take unity for granted means it's something we need to keep praying for. We've seen how unity is hard. The command here is for unity because it's not something that just happens. It's something that needs to be fought for. It's something that needs to be intentional. It needs to be something that we're thinking about and doing. Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians 4.3, be eager to maintain the unity in the spirit of the bond of peace. And why is Paul reminding the Philippians here of this? Verse one we read starts with a so. Now we've seen that where there's a therefore of a but or a so in scripture, then we need to look back to the previous verses to get a clue. And Philippians 1.29 reads this. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I have still. Paul tells them they need to be united because they are experiencing tough times and tougher times are coming. And brothers and sisters, we know it is getting hard, getting harder to stand for Jesus Christ. And it will get tougher. As our country walks further away from the Bible, to say, I'm going to do God things God's way will make us more marginalized than ever. And into this situation, we pray that the church will be united, that the family of God will stay strong together in a world full of conflict, that we will be united. And finally, I put the title for this morning as unity is the end game. Because as we've looked back and given thanks to God this morning, we look forward and at the table, we look forward to that ultimate time when Jesus will make all things new. Because brothers and sisters, that is where we are going. Paul finishes this section by saying, because of Jesus' wonderful humility, God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is where we are going. That is the end game. The mission ends in unity. Ephesians tells us that God is bringing all things together in Jesus Christ. 
That's where we're going. So let's aim to get there now. And in that great picture of eternity, we read in Revelation, we read these words. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, are standing before the throne. And what are they doing before the throne? Are they arguing about their interpretation of Genesis 6 verse 2? No. They are crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, that is our end game. That is where we are going. Unity is our destiny, but we can know heaven, a little bit of heaven, on earth now by being united. I said we're going to think a lot more about what that means next week in practice, but for now it's God calls us to be united. We praise God that he has kept us and given us this sense of togetherness for these years now. We don't take it for granted and we know that times are going to get tough in this world even more so. We pray that he keeps us together in that. And we pray that we will know that now because we will certainly know it in future. Psalm 133, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Heavenly Father, we've just thought briefly on these words this morning. But Father, will you continue to print them on our hearts? call for togetherness but not any togetherness a togetherness that we share one mind that of Christ Jesus Father we thank you that we are able to because you have saved us you have called us we are yours you've given us new hearts so Father unity is tough to love and forgive put others before ourselves Say, we thank you for all that has gone in this church and we trust you for all that is to come. Keep us united. Let us know somewhat of what we will experience in eternity. United together as we sing, worthy is the Lamb and to him who sits on the throne. Keep us looking beyond ourselves together and our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. And it's for his name and glory we pray. Amen.